What's going to be? How's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys know as this. This is Kevin from the Core Progression Podcast. Hey, everybody. As we approach the end of September, this is an interesting one for us because the band we're talking to today has not been active since about 2005 and has not played a show since 2009. But the best way to describe this podcast is with one of my favorite songs, We Came as Romans, Lost in the Moment. Yeah, this podcast is all about getting lost in the moment, and you're not going to want to miss it on any bit. Before we get started, though, I want to thank the support for this pod, uh, podcast. First off, Manscaped. Yeah, Manscaped is supporting the podcast. The best in below the belt care down there for all you gents. Yes, sir. So whether it's, you know, you got the most pristine boys down there, the hairy boys, the ones that are like, boingy, 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 boingy. Okay, that is kind of weird, but you know what? Let's put it this way. We're approaching fall. It's about to be spooky season, and you know, as that as time goes on, you know, you're going to be layering up a little bit more because it's going to start getting cold outside. I know it is unfortunate, isn't it? But you know, that's the life we live, the life we lead. And you know, if you got big legs like me and you got those layers, you want to know what's going to happen? <laughs> Fabric rubbing together chafing oh you don't want any of that do you so you want to know what's going to help you out that this stuff boom the manscaped crop preserver anti-chafing ball deodorant i've been using this stuff since the pandemic time of the shutdown in 2020 because i had to run a lot outside and bike a lot and oh my god chafing became a hellscape for me i had to find something to fix it and then i got the crop preserver anti-chafing ball deodorant and now you know who hasn't chafed in like almost two and a half years, this guy, thanks to the crop preserver anti-chafing ball deodorant, it's going to help you not chafe, smells good, plus do it for your balls, and your balls don't smell, hey, how about that, and with Manscaped, and with the Core Progression Podcast, we're going to help you get some at a great price, so go to manscaped.com, get some of the crop preserver anti-chafing ball deodorant right here, and use the code CPP to get 20% up and free shipping on your whole order. So thank you, Manscaped. We are also sponsoring the One We Were Hungry Music Festival happening in Las Vegas, Nevada, October 20th and 21st. Means and Dreams, Pancakes in the Pit. If you miss Warp Tour and you want those Warp Tour vibes, once again, we can be throwing down one set, rocking out the next set, crying one set, and just jamming out and like hip-hop dance another set. Boom. That's what We Were Hungry is all about. We've had bands on the podcast that are playing the We Were Hungry Festival, including Modern Day Escape. Well, duh. Will the bass is the reason the whole We Were Hungry Festival is happening. Varsity, Outlier, Saving Vice, Palisades, Along Came a Spider, Secondhand Serenades on the podcast. They're headlining day two. The Medic Droid, uh, the original Skylet Drive lineup, Tickle Me Pink, and hopefully more. But we've got other bands that are on the uh, bill like Osatia. Black Flag is headlining day one. Let that sink in. Yeah, I said Black Flag. Tickets are on sale now at whatwehearfustle.com. Link to the podcast. So go get your tickets out before they sell out. I'll see you guys in the pit. Pancakes, pit memes, and dreams. Ooh, yeah. Now to our feature presentation. So Case from Iodine Records reached out to me and said, hey, would you be interested in this one? And I listened to him like, shit, yeah, I'd be interested. So the band is called Orange Island. Again, they have not been active since 2005. 2009 was their last reunion show, but they're re-releasing an album that came out in 2003. They're calling it One Night Stay, and I get to talk with the man, Chuck, all about it. So we talk about the album. We talk about its themes. 
about it bringing back a lot of different positive things about it, you know, really reflecting on your former years. But then the most important thing we talk about, which really just drives the second half of this podcast, is a lot about just living in the moment, being present, being lost in the moment. Yeah, you guys know I'm a huge We Came as Romans fan, so that's all, like, the, that's a song I was thinking about to describe this podcast, Lost in the Moment. Oh, yeah. So you ready to get lost in the moment with us? Are you ready? Welcome to Chuck from Orange Island to the Car Progression Podcast. Let's go! Yeah. Well, 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 ladies and boys and girls, listeners of the Chord Progression Podcast, you know I love to bring you all the great music that has ever been sent to me, I found, or just absolutely enjoy. And I had an email about this band with the souped-up re-release of their 2003 record, One Night Stay, coming out on September 30th. Gotta take a look, and I'm like, you know what? This is definitely something I want to talk about. It's definitely somebody who I want to talk to. And then hearing some of the stuff that Iodine Records and Sound Developer, like, there's some of the crazy stuff that's happening. I'm like, oh my God, I got to hear about this stuff. And you guys got to get to know about this band. So when this re-release comes out, you're like, I must hear the souped up version of this thing. So please welcome Chuck from the band Orange Island to the podcast. So Chuck, welcome to the Court Progression Podcast. Hey, oh, what's happening? Hey man, it's it's a good day to be alive. I'll put it that way. How are things going on your end as you know, we're looking towards just... You know, this probably like the last third of the year, just looking forward to just having a great rest of 2022. Things are not bad. Things are good. Things are always crazy, but crazy is good. I don't do well with sort of downtime. Um, so, yeah, I'm feeling the flow. How about yourself? I'm feeling the stress from a full-time job, but feeling the absolute energy and love from doing something like this and talking to someone like yourself. So I am just like in feel-good mode. Let's put it that way. Hell yeah. So I kind of want to start out with this, of course, starting with Orange Island and with, you know, One Night Stay with the re-release of that. First question I really have around that is, because it was your 2003 record, what's the whole entire purpose behind the re-release of this? What was the reasoning behind it? And, you know, when you said it was like, I've introduced it as, you know, the souped up version of it. How was this thing souped up to make sure, you know, when people listen to it, when it releases, it's just like, oh my God, it's even better than what I thought it was going to be, or even better than when I first heard it. So we were always looking to do something on vinyl. Um, we were a band from like 96 to almost 2005. Um, and we were hoping to have stuff on vinyl. It never kind of happened um, back when we were an active band. Started talking about maybe getting into some vinyl stuff, you know, four or five years ago. Um, that sort of happened to coincide with Casey uh, Iodine sort of talking about you know, rebirthing iodine recordings and doing just that, reissuing stuff on vinyl. And um, he just kind of had us on, in mind. We were his first band that he signed back in 2000 or 2001. Um, so we were always just, we've been, you know, buddies for 20 years or whatever and, and always sort of synced up that way. His, his venture and our venture, we always kind of, you know, checked in on each other and that kind of stuff. So he just thought, um you know he had us included in that and we got to talking and he decided to do the self-titled um record that we did in 03 because it's um you can't get that shit on spotify so and it's 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 a hard to find kind of thing so he didn't do any reissues of the two records we did with iodine back in the day um just because he was sort of on top of his stuff already that stuff was already on uh apple music and spotify and all that stuff so we went with sort of the harder to track down release. Um, and it was the like definitive album for us. It was our third release as a band. So 
but it was really when we sort of came into our own and, and um, you know, it's probably the best, you know, showing of who we are. Um, so the, the souped up version, we gave it a new title. We gave it some new artwork. We remastered it to um, bring some of the parts that we kind of buried originally. We're bringing that stuff out. So it's really going to, you know, we kind of polished it a bit. I think people are going to be psyched. I think if you're familiar with it from, you know, 18 years ago, you'll be, you'll be psyched to hear this new sort of style. If you've never heard of us before, hopefully it stands the test of time and you dig it, um, you know, dig it the same. It's got a different track order, track listing than the original release. So it's got some different, you know, some fun little, little tricks in there. And kind of having it as a different setup than the original release, especially in terms of track listing, especially for a lot of people, you know, in the rock and metal realm where when they like to listen to music, especially new music that gets released, it's still everyone's holding on to like that album feel. They want to go through everything one by one. So by if they've listened to the original release and then being able to go through it the way it originally was now being able to go through it once again in a different order in this souped up way, it's going to give more life to it in the end. Plus, Anybody that's a fan of any kind of post-hardcore music, I mean, this is definitely something you're going to want to check out because if I gotten into post-hardcore, especially midway through last year, kind of really starting to ramp up again this year as well, I was like, ooh, this is a lot of fun. So, I mean, you definitely will get the like the feeling of like at times, yeah, because I've listened to the whole entire thing. This definitely feels like, you know, you guys wrote it when you wrote it. But then again, it's kind of like that time capsule piece too because – when it comes to music, like I remember the one, I can't remember who said this quote, but I found it somewhere. It was art decorates space, but music decorates time. So when you go back and you listen to that record, you go back and listen to the re-release of it, even with the souped up version, you're still going to be able to get those sounds and feelings and emotions that you felt back at during the original release when you first heard it and your mind will end up kind of being transported back to that specific time frame. when, I mean, in 2003, I was what, eight years old? So going back and remembering watching SpongeBob in Sports Center all day long. There you go. Yeah. And I think to what you said, like getting sort of this album feel, I hope people take it in as an album. It definitely, you know, I've always focused on trying to take a listener on a journey. Um, this was thematically, lyrically, this was always supposed to be the track listing. Um, but sonically, back in 2003, it sort of made sense to to have it come out in the way it did just you know um treating it like it was an introduction to our band we didn't want to you know it was like ah, i don't know if this first song is really the, the the best introduction to our band but maybe this one is so we did some stuff that we we don't give a shit about now in 2022 we're not looking to you know introduce anybody or do anything like that we just wanted to release that sort of made sense for us so i definitely think if you sat down and listened to it um, front to back, you know, it would take you on that journey. I started even, you know, like you said, I can listen to it. And I remember what it was like to be 2021 when I wrote it, but it also has this sort of added layer. It, it adds layers for me. And when I was revisiting it in the past, you know, year or so when we we're gearing up to do the reissue and I was thinking about some of the images that are present on the record for artwork and all that kind of stuff, I started going, well, holy shit. Okay. The first track sort of, it mentions and, and, you know, trigger warning, it mentions suicide. we got a lot of like this gun shit going on. Um, and I, st and I was raised sort of reluctantly Catholic. So it's got a lot of sort of religious illusions and that kind of stuff. And I was like, holy shit, this whole record is like legitimately purgatory. Someone, uh, you know, it begins with someone 
maybe ending their life, they wake up in a shitty motel, they got to realize it's up to them to decide if they go to heaven, they go to hell, that kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, by the end of the record, it gets really sort of hopeful. So hopefully you get out of it that, oh, this person chose to maybe go back or not, um, you know, make that ultimate sacrifice in the first place. Maybe it was a dream, all that kind of Twilight zone shit. So I'm hoping, you know, I think it's a little heady and it's a little out there, this interpretation, but I hope, you know, that that translates even the tiniest bit would be cool. But it's also about the purgatory period between being a kid and being an adult, you know. Um, I don't do, I don't do well with like in-betweens and, and I really struggled with, especially being from a small town, where it's like so insular and so, you know, it's a world within itself. And then you're kind of shot out of that world in a cannon, like you're 18 and it's like, all right, get the fuck out of here. And, um, you know, I struggled with that. So that's really, I feel like present on this record too. So if you're a 40 year old dude like me, maybe you get some of this heady shit out of it. If you're a 21, 22 year old kid, hopefully it speaks to your experience as well. Um, partying with your friends, but thinking it sort of means more than, you know, you're dying for meaning, dying for things to mean something because you live in a world that doesn't seem to sort of mean anything, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I hope people pop it in like you did and 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 take it for a ride for sure. So now that kind of whole entire roundscape of it is interesting, just the way you put it, especially with, you know, when you wrote this thing back when you were 20, 21, and just kind of the, especially the themes that were going around in your life at that point, the ideas that were going on, and now re-releasing this, you know, closer to 40, it's just even yourself with re with like reissuing it and redoing the track list it's going to provide that different meaning for you and that style of purgatory can come from many different places whether it is you know that heaven or hell thing which has more of that religious background to there i did pick up on that a little bit because i did grow up catholic myself as well so i'm like something's definitely you know connecting here i don't know what it is but now i figured it out and that makes a lot of sense or you know that in between time you know between again childhood and adulthood because there is that in between time where you kind of just don't really know what you're doing. You think you might know what you're doing, but you don't know what you're doing. And a lot of those decisions that you make during that in-between time are going to impact, you know, where you end up at certain points in time in adulthood. Of course, you can always make decisions and make changes to go to a different path, especially in life. However, a lot of those times, you know, those those uh, choices that you make and those paths that you take during that in-between time will better suit you for certain changes that you might need to make when you get to that adult period, whether it's, you know, doing, you know, just going out and doing stupid stuff with your friends, potentially getting in some kind of trouble or being, you know, the most perfect person in the whole entire world, whichever one it is, whatever one you took out, whichever lane you went through, it's going to end up being a record that, you know, connects with you back to that point in time, whether, you know, when you, like it is like when you wrote it, when you were going through that time, if you're going through that time right now, or if you're like someone like myself, where it was like, you know, when you wrote it, I was still a kid. Now that the re issue is coming out, I'm closer to 30 on that point, still trying to figure some things out, but I still have enough, you know, relatability to be able to go back to those in between times and really understand that going forward to see kind of a reflection period of what happened during that point in time that led me to where I am today, or led me to a certain point in time where I had to make that left turn and do something different in life. Yeah, 100%. And I think we, we often overlook that point in our life where we, we get to decide, you know, and a lot of this record is about sort of what it means to be a good person. So, you know, so taking some of that stuff and more uh, real life kind of hits you and, and grabs you and you, you know, you kind of struggle with, okay, I could have been the 
best person from one to 18 and put on a show and all my teachers loved me and my friends and my friends, parents or whatever, but life kind of kicks you in the grundle and you, you do, you know, you might screw up. And I really think it's a period where you sit there and you go, am I a good person? Am I a shitty person? Does being a good person even get me where I want to go? You look around and it seems like we're a society, a culture of, you know, sort of the shittier you are as a person, the more you benefit. Um, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And, and again, going from a really sort of isolated, uh, you know, small town sort of, sort of life to, okay, there's a bigger world out there and I don't need to watch every single step that I make. You know, everything's not laid out with a bunch of eggshells and, and there is some, some choice going on. Um, you know, we all know our formative years are, are really important, like adolescence and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't think we give enough sort of attention to, hey, this period where you're thrown in the water and you get to sort of figure out, okay, what does it mean to swim? And, and how do I want to go about swimming? And how does it line up with some of my values and the freedom that I'm now feeling? You know, so there's stuff on this record about you know, drinking and, and drugs and uh, sex and, you know, all kinds of shit, what it means to be a good person. You know, do we, do we really adhere to forgiveness? Do we, um, you know, are we shallow? Is it this sort of a vapid culture that we're consuming all this kind of stuff? So, you know, I, we're, we were like a party band and we were a rock and roll band and, you know, we stormed in places like a carnival. Um, but for me, it always needed to have this sort of depth that you could you could pick back and find if you wanted to. It can be surface level. Oh, this song's about getting drunk with my friends, and I get drunk with my friends, so I'll put this on. You know, hell yeah, I hope that happens as well. But for people that, you know, I think for longevity's sake, you need some layers. You need it to start out. Oh, this is a party song, and it's like, oh, actually, wait a minute, what the hell's going on here? What you know what I'm saying? Um, and I think this this release has it. I think that's what we sort of stood for as a band. Um, and, you know, hopefully that makes 2022 okay, where it's not people are listening to this and like, oh, this is 2003 kind of shit and we're, we're all set, you know? Yeah, but it's one thing that's going to happen too is, is just with the way that it sounds, because, you know, again, you guys wrote this almost, you know, 18, 19 years ago. And now it's coming out once again on the release with the whole entire new track listing on there, just the track order that it's in. It's going to give off, you know, some of those more vibes from the past, but that's perfectly okay because especially when you're reflecting on that in-between time, that time of adolescence between childhood and adulthood where you're trying to figure those things out, figure out those things in those formative years, like having a style and a sound that's going to be able to have people reflect upon the past is going to really help out just you know, make this stand out. Cause when I was listening to the whole entire thing, really trying to, you know, go through it and kind of get a further understanding of it. The, my mind kept going back to when I was, it was back to 2013 when I was 18 years old, I had just had graduated high school, just about to go to college. And the sole purpose I, of going to the school that I went to was because, well, I, I liked, I liked the school, not going to lie, but I went there for one. Another reason was because it was far enough away. It was, it was close enough to home where if an emergency happened, I could get home in case of that emergency. But it was far enough away to where I couldn't run home, you know, if things got tough. Like, I had to do something to stick it out. On top of that, I went and I initially knew no one where I was going. Like, it was something where this album kind of reminded me of, like, and this re-release reminded me of 
kind of going to that time, going to that point in time where, you know, I'm putting myself in this position to literally find out if the person who I am is the person that I am, or if who I think I am is not really who I am on the inside. I'm going to find that out anyway, but I have to put myself in that position in order to do something like that. It reminds me of those, you know, three and a half, four formative years of, I go from literally knowing nothing, no one, and I'm completely alone to all of a sudden, you know, three and a half years later, it was like, you know what, this actually wasn't bad. And I found out a lot about myself. So this record and this re-release really helps kind of, you know, take me back to that certain point as well, where like kind of like the purgatory thing dropped in there and I've got decisions I got to make and my decisions are going to end up leading me this way, this way, this way, whatever way, but it's going to lead me somewhere. I'm going to find out more about myself in those couple of years than I might ever do in my entire life. Yeah. And I hope that happens for, you know, a lot of people that, that listen to it. Honestly, I hope they are transported back into these times that felt very monumental and important to them. And they can sit and sort of, you know, nod their head a little bit and maybe get a different perspective on it or whatever, or, you know, music to me has always been this way. We are, you know, we're fucking alone. You know what I'm saying? We come in this world alone. We, we leave it alone. We, live a whole life inside our head and all that kind of stuff. And if we're lucky to find people that we feel comfortable being vulnerable with and all that kind of shit. And and most of us do as we get older, but being vulnerable as a teenager, as a teenage, as a male teenager as well in maybe a small town that doesn't value that kind of stuff being moved art, all that kind of shit. Um, You know, it's very important to recognize pieces of yourself in media, in music um in movies that kind of stuff it becomes very transformative and that that's what happened to me you know 14 15 13 14 15 whatever hearing music and going like oh shit i'm not alone someone is going through this same someone's in the pain that i'm in or struggling the way i'm struggling um and that alone is sort of enough and sometimes that becomes the entry point for you know you're hanging out with your friend and they know that you're connecting with this song and they fucking crank it up for you. And that says more than sometimes hashing the whole thing out. You know, you go like, Oh wait, he knows, he knows. Um, So yeah, hopefully that sort of, you know, people get something out of it. It transports them to a different time. Maybe it, it makes them feel less alone. Maybe they go, yeah, that's my experience too. Holy shit. And I I didn't think of it that way or whatever it is. Um, You know, that's always the hope and, and that's cool. I'm glad you had that experience with it for sure. Feels like there's a little story behind there too, just what you were talking about with, you know, when you're younger and all of a sudden, you know, you're listening to music and your friend just cranks it up because you like that song, but they're, you know, feeling that same vibe that you're putting out. Like there's some sort of connection there. It feels like there's a story behind there. Cause when I was hearing you, I'm like, this sounds eerily similar to something that I dealt with maybe even five years ago. So I'm just like, there's gotta be something here that just sticks out to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, something jumps out. I remember, um, a graduation party for one of my best friends at his family owned a camp and it was a, it was a huge sort of bender at this camp. People slept in trailers, people slept in tents, people slept in cars. I was, um, you know, in the beginning stages of a romance with a young lady. I'm a sophomore in high school at this point. So it's not, you know, anything crazy or anything like that. Um, and that was this sort of graduation party was going to, we had talked it up. Like when we're at this graduation party, everything else is going to fall by the wayside. It's going to be me and you. We're going to sleep in this trailer together, all this kind of shit. 
and I was there. I helped my friend set up and we we're hanging out and she showed up and it was like a movie where I saw her walk in and I was like, hell yeah. And then like the record scratch and her like ex-boyfriend was right behind her or whatever. They like, they showed up together. Um, and I was like, fuck. And I ended up getting like super drunk and I went into the trailer that we were supposed to like sleep in. Cause I was hoping she was in there and she was in there with her boyfriend and it was like all dark and it was crazy anyway. So I remember like not having anywhere to sleep, not having anywhere to stay. And it was a mess. And my be- one of my best friends at the time, who's became the singer of orange islands, Dave, the singer of the band, he, um, he scooped me up and was like, Hey, I got you in my car and I, I got in, you know, the shotgun seat and he just went and he put on like that fucking perfect song. He put on like some mineral song or whatever. And it just, it did it, it met it, it crushed it. And, um, you know, it sort of comforted in a way, but that's one, you know, that's one sort of dramatic Dawson's Creek one, but you know, that shit just happened all the time. There was always, you know, now being a high school teacher, I see the drama that these kids live every day and the weight of the world and there's so much tension did he look at me did she look at me what did that mean oh I grazed her hand whoops did i screw up does that person now hate me and now they're telling her you know all this stuff that plays out um you need a respite from that you need a you need uh, an oasis somewhere to go and and that turned out to be music um for me and then it was so transformative for me that i was like i want in on the other side i want to like it was almost like I got to pay this back. This helped me out so much that I got to now sit and try to do it for an imaginary kid that his friend is going, yo, check this out. And it's a, and it's an orange Island song. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that was the main sort of goal. That was the driving factor for me. The motivating factor was to be able to, to give those experiences to other people while I still was having them, you know, in my twenties and all that kind of stuff. But it, it does, it does, you know, wean, a little bit as life evens itself out and isn't a fucking Dawson's Creek episode every day of your life. Um, so I, I don't connect to music. I don't think in that same way. I still, still moves me. I still get goosebumps. I can still do, you know, get some crying going when it's, when it hits just right. Um, but I feel like when I was, you know, a teenager, that shit was happening on the reg. That shit was happening day to day. And for a lot of people, it's like that's kind of what happens too for a teenager that stuff happens on day. And even for myself now too at 27, it's some of that stuff still happens, but it's much less than it did back at that point in time. And even for yourself, it's probably even more less than it would happen, you know, you know, where you're what where you, ah, when you're at my age, when you were a teenager, all that kind of stuff. And when it comes to just connecting with music in a different way, I think one of the biggest keys is, and this is something that I always point to this example with Asking Alexandria with their first couple records being that harder metalcore style and all of a sudden their last three had more of this more radio rock, radio metal kind of style and people were kind of going away from it like, oh, why are they doing that? Then they talked about it and they said, you know, they're at a completely different place in life mentally. They're they're not just, you know, kids trying to make it. They're not just angry at the world. Most of them are, you know, married. They're fathers. They have children. So they see the world in a completely different way. They've gone through many different experiences and that's how they connect with their own writing to music is through that. So for yourself, you're talking about, you know, when you were making music and you always wanted to be there for that imaginary kid that, you know, was down on his luck. And, you know, his friend just said, hey, check this shit out, played it. And then you're able to connect with that person on, a diff- on a, just a completely different emotional level that helps them out in some other way. Now, you might not connect with that in that same way anymore, but because 
you've gone through life and experiences have changed your mindset in a certain way, changed your experience and like, you know, your motivation in a certain way where you still love music and connect with it, but you just connect with it in a different way, given you're just not that stage of life anymore. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think what we want from artists is authenticity, right? So it sounds like those guys are just being authentic to themselves. And as much as some people, you know, might want the same thing done over and over again, like it, you can tell it's going to be a group of people that are just giving people what they want. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hit as hard or it, it you know, it, it just doesn't, it, you know, it reads false and people can, you know, sniff that shit out in, you know, five seconds that it's like, uh, I don't, I think this is a pose. I think this is fake, you know? And, um, you know, I think that's what we want from people is, is that kind of go along with them, you know, uh, it, you, you're supposed to age with the artists that you love, or, you know, obviously people just put the shit in that they, that they loved when they were 16. Cause that's when it felt the best. And you put that on and you feel like what it was to be 16 again. And yeah, that's fine too. You know what I mean? Um, it, it all depends on sort of what you're looking for, I guess, you know, if I were to make music again, you know, it's not going to be orange Island. You know what I mean? I'm like making beats on garage band and sampling, shiloh dynasty and shit and like trying to make this lo-fi like vibe shit you know what i'm saying so but it would still probably have an orange island flavor where i'd still you know my writing style i I feel like is is similar um but yeah it's not going to be you know i'm not going to be talking about the purgatory period between childhood and adulthood i might be talking about you know, what it's like to be, like you said, be a dad or navigate these things, you know, or stuff from my kid's perspective or any, any stuff like that. Um, but I would hope if anybody would give a shit to listen to that stuff, they, that's what they would expect from me and want from me. And they wouldn't go, Hey, where's all the songs about being 20 and having your arm around your buddy and pounding a Irish car bomb. It's like, yeah, no, that it's, I don't do that anymore. You know what I mean? I, and I don't need that. No, it's it, you don't need to be all of a sudden just constantly having your arms around your friends like every single night, you know, drunk having a beer Irish car. And be like, I love this guy. This, this guy is my guy. You don't, you know, at times in life, you know, that seemed like, you know, the best thing to do, the most fun thing to do. But as life goes on, as your mindset changes, your priorities change, you just don't see things that way. And even with some of the artists I've had on this podcast uh, before as well, It's they write a lot of the same stuff that they're going through at that same point in time or from their perspective. Using the father thing as an example, there was one artist, uh, Tyler Tate from the band Hollow Front, wrote a whole entire song, which was just a letter to his son saying, you know, I'm always out of, you know, out of away for work because I'm an I'm a touring musician. That's what I do. That's what I do to make money. But don't think I love you any less or don't think I'm not, you know, doing this just because I find it, you know, fun. It's just because it, you know, this also is to help support you and to make sure that you know that I'm here to support you. I always love you. And that I want to make the best life for you as possible. And even, you know, it doesn't matter what part of life you're in, whether you are that father or whether you are the son in that part or the, you know, the son, daughter, whoever it might be. But you're able to look back at that at some point and just put yourself in that position and reflect on your relationship with, you know, your father or your mother or reflect on your relationship with your kids at the same point in time. And just really pick up on that and feel it. We want to hear some of that stuff because it is authentic and it does touch on so many different tropes in life 
where if you were kind of talking about the same stuff that you were talking about when you were 20 over and over and over again, by the time you get to 60, you're going to be like, hey, who wants to talk about drinking and stuff? And it's going to be like, okay, okay, old man, sit down. You know, you, you might need to get like your, uh, might need to take your nap right now before Wheel of Fortune comes on. Okay, so just chill. Okay, let me rephrase that. 80 years old because 60, my, my parents are over 60 and they're not even doing that. Right. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. And I think, you know, you, you want to hit on universal experiences, you know, relationships, universal relationships. It's like, yeah, a lot of people aren't touring musicians away from their children, but everyone can relate to a father, son, parent, child dynamic. Um, and it, it becomes sort of universal. And that's, that's always the trick I feel like is you, you know, when you make something, you want it to be it, the, the specific details are what makes it come alive, but you want what you're talking about to be universal. You know, you want it to be like, okay, I didn't have this exact experience with these, you know, details. The I'm thinking of a Taylor Swift song for whatever reason, she's slow dancing in the refrigerator light, just cause that's a nice sort of image right? You might not have never, you not have done that in your life, but it's such a specific detail that you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Relationships that, you know, maybe the, that first love kind of stuff. Um, and that's always been the, you know, the hard part or the trick because you can write, you can write something that you think is amazing and you know what you're talking about and you know what you're getting at, but if it doesn't, resonate with someone else because it's not a universal experience it's like okay you're talking about um being in this specific van in this specific parking lot or whatever it is and that just doesn't make sense to me because i've never been i've never traveled the country and had that feeling you know but if you're singing that same song and you're tapping into loneliness and isolation and stuff people that's a universal emotion that people go oh yeah i've never been in a van in a parking lot but fuck i've been I felt alone like this and like there was no one around me, you know what I'm saying? So I think if you're being authentic, if you're, you're writing authentic stuff, you're also thinking about how it can connect with people on, uh, you know, different levels and separate levels and travel with people. Like you said, that quote about, you know, time, you want it to sort of be able to travel through time with people, grow with people in, in some certain degree. Um, but uh, then again, if it's for nostalgia purposes, that's fine too. I think for us with this souped up reissue, nostalgia wasn't going to be enough for us. You know, it wasn't going to be like, yeah, let's just put the same thing out and we'll, ha it'll be, have the same artwork and they'll just the thing, but it's now on vinyl and it's, we're 18 years later and whatever. Uh, that wasn't enough for me. So I wanted to really, you know, give it a new, like make it be a sort of new animal so that it, I needed it to travel with me. I needed to have a reason in 2022 that when that shit ships to my house, I'm going to put it on and, you know, have myself a time. If, if we weren't into it as a band, then why would anyone else be into it? So we just made sure we did what we wanted to do to make sure we were into it. It's like, fuck yeah, this cover rules and fuck yeah, this layout rules and let's remaster it. Oh, fuck yeah, it sounds amazing. Hey, why don't we do it in the original track listing that I'd always imagined it? Oh shit, this is taking me on a journey. Thank you, um, former self. I didn't even, it's a gift to my current me. Um, you know, and it's important to have all that stuff or we wouldn't be as jacked up about it and we wouldn't be trying to push it as hard as we're 
you know, trying to push it. Yeah, if you weren't excited about it, then you, you know, it would be the point of putting out if you guys weren't absolutely jacked up about this, like, this is what we play for, like that kind of energy really exactly. coming forward with it. And I do like the fact that, you know, one of the big reasons to help, you know, bring this back and help to the reissue was you guys always wanted to do something on vinyl. But, you know, when you came out with this, you know, think 2003, 2004, 2005, vinyl was just always, it was just seen as like a complete novelty at that point because, yes, people still had their vinyl record players, but most of them, you know, were 20, 30, 40 years old. All the records they had were like from the 70s. So it was like everyone had like Led Zeppelin 4 on vinyl or something like that. But no one, and that was just right, you know, in the peak of like iPod days with MP3s and everyone going to iTunes to buy everything. So there really wasn't any sort of market there. But of course, you know, take a look 19 years in the future, all of a sudden mid 2010s roll around and vinyl became such a bit much bigger thing where it became a collector's thing. On top of that, it also became another way just to consume music because you're kind of getting back to your roots. People still like to have the physical copy of a vinyl in their hand. And it's still so cool to be able to, you know, open up your, your turntable, put it on, just let it roll and just get into the full experience of it unequivocally and not have any distractions of, you know, say you're streaming it on your phone or something like that. All of a sudden you're listening to a song, you're getting into it. All of a sudden you just hear bing, 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 bing. Like you're getting Facebook messages or Instagram comments or text messages or Snapchats. And it's completely ruining that experience for you. Or you're listening on your computer and all of a sudden you're getting the email blast coming everywhere. It just doesn't feel the same because you're just being taken out of the moment. But if you got that physical copy, if you're able to put it kind of like, it's kind of like digitally cleansing everything, but you're able to really fully focus in on it once again. And now people that were able to focus in on it in 2003 in one aspect are going to be able to focus in on it in 2022 in a completely different mindset, but still feel the themes and feel the drive behind the album. And for myself as well, it's going to be like, well, let's pop it on this bad boy and let it roll. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm a ritual man, you know, 100%. So I love the ritual of take a thing, open it, sniff it. I don't care. You pervert sniff that fucking thing. <laughs> Give it a sniff, open it up, put it on the thing, let it play, look at, you know, set it up and look at it. You know, and I think when we talk about like generationally and all that kind of stuff, every sort of era is an answer to what was previous. And most times it's sort of a rebellion, right? So you've had, you had this bulky shit for a long time, vinyl, cassette tapes, CDs, dvds all this you know just stuff um, you just were surrounded by stuff and part of that there was a, there's a big part of that was fun because you 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 know it was like treasure hunting you know you found these things and they were a part of your personality oh i i have a cd rack and i'm only putting the sh all the shit that i'm into so people come over your house they look at your cds they look at your books they look at your stuff and they can tell who you are but again, you're sort of bogged down. It can be this this weight. Oh, I'm moving to a new apartment. I got all these boxes of shit that I gotta that I gotta bring. So obviously the answer for that is the iPods and the digital stuff and, and all that kind of stuff. Now we're free and we can move around and do whatever the fuck we want. But yeah, we've taken it to the point where you know we're distracted, we're we're not patient, we've thrown rituals in the garbage. So because of that, you see a big shift where everybody goes. Oh no, I want to go back to like holding a thing in my hand and having it, having a ritual and having it be a, sort of an event, you know, making something an event 
that shit is like self-care you know what i mean showering is to get clean taking a bath babe that's that that's some that's some self-care shit you know what i'm saying so this record and any records and and these things that people are doing that they can hold and and pop in and have imperfections and all that kind of stuff that to me is that's the tub that's the bath of um the cleansing world like yeah relax have a seat feel it you know what i'm saying Oh, absolutely. That's what like the beauty of music too, because the way I'm thinking about it, when it comes to music specifically, what no matter what it is, it's you look back and you think about, you know, the way our parents used to say everything they did about it was a ritual when it came to, like you said, listening. My dad still has a bunch of cassettes that he owned. And he, like anytime he has a bonfire out in the driveway, he's always got his old radio out. It's got the cassettes going and we're listening to like Queen or Electric Light Orchestra. It's other stuff that, you know, were actual cassettes or stuff that he recorded through the radio. So it's like, there's the ritual point there. There's the investment right there. And today it was just, you know, for myself, it's like, I listen to music all the time. I really get into it. And I still download all my stuff. I still put out an old trusty dusty iPod because it feels like I still have it. It feels like I'm not just like distracted. Like, oh, I want to listen to this artist. It's like, no, if I want to listen to something, like I'm going to actually have to go and physically put it on there myself and listen to it vinyl whole nother aspect to it because it's put it on and i just can get lost in or think about a concert as an example as well a lot of times you know you see bands up on stage and all of a sudden people got their phones out and they're recording it's like oh i want to take it and record for it i get it that's what you want to do that's fine but it seems like at that point in time you know a concert is a whole ritual and stuff a live show it's a whole ritual in itself and like the best shows i've been to the best shows i've ever felt at shows have been times where my phone has been solely stuck in my pocket and all I was concentrating on was either what the band was doing on stage or who the hell was charging at me that I was going to have to hit in the pit. One of the two, most likely the second option though. But I mean, it's just, it's a whole other ritual itself. It's just, you're being a part of that experience. You're being a part of the present. You're being a part of the now. And the music is driving so much of that, you know, experience, so much of that passion, so much of that power to the point where you look back in time and it's, you think about like some of the greatest things that you ever done life or the greatest moments life and think about the music that was associated with those times. Oh my God, is it a powerful thing? It's a powerful experience and having those ritual aspects behind it just adds to the weight of that experience, mostly for the positive. Oh, big time. And I think like you were saying about live shows, live shows are meant to be this temporary thing that you experienced and sort of bounced from, you know, and this comes from a guy that even in the early 2000s, I was, well, I was going to college for film. Um, so I had this video camera and I would, I, the video camera would be out while we'd be on the road and all this kind of stuff. Cause I wanted to document it. I wanted to remember it, all the shit that we do when we take our phones out and all that kind of stuff. Um, and man, is that a, it's a awful experience one, because you, you take yourself out of it. And now I'm just the guy with the camera instead of the guy that's like living and all that kind of stuff. Two, you watch it the next day, like, oh, that was the best night of my life. Orlando was fucking so cool. Let's look at the footage I got. And I look at the footage and I'm like, oh my God, we're all a bunch of assholes. We are all the worst human beings. I am by far the worst. You know what I'm saying? It taints your recollection, your memory of stuff. Um, you know, I think that's why reality TV stars lose their fucking minds. They're all out of their minds you know, because you live one thing one way, you have your memories of it. You're like, okay, cool. 
And then you go and watch it and you're like, that's not, I wasn't that loud and that stupid and that whatever, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that was charming when I, when I was, uh, had my shirt off and people were spray painting my uh, back. That was, people were into it. That was charming. But you watch the video of it and you're like, that's just me screaming at someone to spray paint my back. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's like, oh God, Jesus. Ugh. Um, and, and I know people whip out their phones during live shows to, to capture the band and post on their stories and whatever. So people know that they were there and all that kind of stuff. And I do that shit too. And it's like, you know, you do want, I mean, I love, a uh, you know, whatever the fuck they're called now, the sort of recollections and social media, like, Hey, this day four years ago, here's what was, here's what you posted. Like, I love that shit. That's like a gift to me. So I get all that kind of stuff, that posterity stuff, but yeah, there's nothing sort of like living in the moment and being okay and content with your sort of memory of, of the experience live shows for me, when I started going to shows where the whole point was like catharsis, it was cathar it was cathartic. It was, you were in the middle of the shit and you're sweating with a bunch of people and you're shouting and and, and you you leave the show and you're, doing the recap with your friends and your voice is hoarse and you get a bruise or whatever it is. And um, that was, it was like revelatory. It was, you know, you sort of let loose and you went somewhere else and then you came back to your body. You know, that was the, that was sort of the point and that was the experience. I'm not sure kids have that now where they want to, I don't know if they can get out of themselves as much as we did then and i mean i hope i hope it happens i hope there's 15 year old kids going to some basement and letting it all fucking ride out in the wind um and then feeling lighter you know we carry this stuff we we're so bogged down with just grief just the grief of being alive the grief that we can't hold everything slips through our fingers we can't hold on to shit forever nothing is forever we're all impermanent all that kind of shit all that you know um philosophical nonsense and we're looking for ways to be lighter to feel lighter to feel to you know put this baggage down and certainly a live show is where i got a lot of that you know in my formative years it, I, I don't have the same experience with it now and i it i didn't have that experience towards the end of being in a band or anything like that um kind of you know left and and that's you know a good indicator where you're like i don't know if this life is sort of for me and it's maybe one of the reasons that we you know it was easy well not easy for us to break up but break you know breaking up as a band that kind of thing but yeah your relationship to these things sort of changes in, in different ways feel me oh absolutely i feel you on a couple well a couple of things i do want to point out that as well one is we talking about, you know, when it comes to you guys ending as a band and just, you know, not feeling the same way you did anymore. It's I've I've heard many people talk about that where it's just, you know, the 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 uh what is it? The the excitement and the passion and just the joy and that cathartic moment of just being in that position and just doing that stuff just isn't there anymore. And it could be all based off of, you know, things that are happening in your life. Maybe different things are going on. Maybe all of a sudden, you know, life just happens. You get married, you have kids. Anything could happen like that. My dad used to love to play softball, like beer league softball. That was his thing. And his last season was the when I right before I was born because he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. He would rather be at home with my brother and myself on those weeknights 
instead of, you know, going and playing softball. That it, it just things change, your mindset changes and it makes total sense. But the one thing I do want to pick up on though is what you're talking about, you know, today's day and age and especially kids today, you know, it seems like there's not like it seems like you know, sometimes they have trouble, you know, just letting go like and being in that in that moment, getting lost in the moment, that cathartic feel, especially at a live show. And we were talking about, you know, if you're looking on social media, all of a sudden, you know, four years ago, you see that post come up and it's like, maybe it's a picture of a show you were at and it reminds you of that show, but it was just a picture. It was just that simple reminder. It wasn't like you were filming the whole entire show or you were just focusing on getting, you know, the attention for that show to put on social media so that everyone else could see. It was kind of like, okay, I got a picture of it. Now I'm just completely lost in the whole entire moment. And then four years later, when all of a sudden Facebook says, you know, this is what you did four years ago. You remember, you're just like, you're remembering what you remembered from being in the present. You don't remember what, you know, taking that photo. You remember maybe you singing your heart out to like one of your favorite songs. Or if you're like me, you remember the, you know, the biggest breakdown when all of a sudden the wall of death came. And for some random reason, you're the only one to go on your side in the 30 people. And you're just like, oh, shit. And just had some fun with it. And I think another big reason behind that too is, and I hope that the kids are able to, you know, break from that and really begin to enjoy just that cathartic in the moment experiences. Take a look at the way that the culture is today, where so much is heavily focused on that digital landscape, where a lot of the, you know, social currency is on that digital landscape. So if it's not being lived on the digital landscape, then it's like it for kind of like, you know, it seems like it never happened, especially for people that are more into that in more of a younger generation that's primarily based online and on social media sites where, you know, for people that have gone through that, you know, they're around before this happened or like myself who when social media really got its kickoff, I just had started high school at that point. It's like, I still remember, you know, when I was a little kid, just all the great times I had and all the great stuff I did because everything was in the moment. Are there pictures of it? There are some pictures of it, but I never took them. My mom probably took them or my best friend's mom probably took them. But we look back at those and it's, we remember the times of like, of what had happened. It's not like, you know, oh, we took that picture. We were focused on, you know, the whole entire getting, capturing everything. So we look back at it. It's like, wait, that's what happened. That's how it was. And then it just completely changed up the whole vibe and feel of it. Being lost in the moment, being lost in the present of it. It's, it's one of the best feelings in the world. And I just hope people are able to just really dive deeper, especially younger generation, because, my God, if, if, if they're able to kind of jump in and just get lost in the moment and just really being able to enjoy themselves in that experience, I think going forward, it just spells great things, not only for music, but for every other aspect of life. Oh, big time. And, and this is like, you know, this is like Buddhist shit we're talking about. This is like meditative stuff. It's, it's you know, that's what meditation is, is returning to the present, always returning to the present, be here now, all that kind of stuff. And that's hard for anybody, you know, and I think it was hard for... 30 years ago, 40 years ago, it's gotten progressively more difficult. And like you're saying, because of this currency, it's all become sort of transactional um, where it's like, okay, what can I, what can I get out of this? How can I use it to further some sort of agenda, some sort of illusion, all that kind of stuff versus when you're just sort of living it, you know, our, our little squirts of dopamine and serotonin, what we get from our brain that goes like, yeah, this feels fucking good has now become like how many, thumbs ups we see and hearts and all that kind of stuff, this transactional nature. Oh, the sun sets really pretty right now. Let me take a picture of it. A to remember it, but B I want to post it. 
and I want people to fucking like it. And then every time my the little thing in my pocket buzzes on my knee, I get a little squirt of dopamine and a little whatever. And I think we used to get our squirts from just experiencing it and yeah, take a picture of it. But guess what? You don't know how it came out until a week later when you've scrounged up 15 bucks and you dropped it off at CVS and all that kind of shit. And even that was a moment, you know, hanging out with people with disposable cameras and they take a bunch of pictures took three months to fill fucking 24 pictures or whatever it was. Then you got to scrounge up some cash, drop it off, pick it up this whole rigmarole. Then you get it and you're like, Oh, what did I capture? What did I get? You know, um, there's something about that. That's even magical. That's been lost to this instantaneous kind of stuff. Hey, take it, look at it. It sucks. Delete it. That was blurry. You're stupid. It doesn't look like, I can't capture it the way my eye sees it. So what the fuck am I even doing? You know, and then you're now I'm bummed out. I didn't even see the sunset because all this, this whole, how can I use it to my advantage to push my, you know, uh, following or whatever the fuck. I mean, I got sucked into that shit too. I was, I worked in Boston for 11 years where I was just in front of a computer screen and we would do, it was like operations when an order would come in, you'd handle the order but you don't know when the orders are going to come in. You're there for eight hours. You got to do something to kill the time between orders. It's like, well, I got the fucking internet at my fingertips. So yeah, I got lost in that stuff too. And I'm probably am, am still lost into it. Um, you know, posting shit about Orange Island, posting about the reissue and how many likes is it getting? And let me, is anybody commenting? Anybody even give a fuck? Um, you know, it's a, it's a sort of hell cycle, but you do got to, you know, I do get to sit back and go, okay, just, just chill out. Just, it's all right. It's all good. You're getting this record. You're putting it out. You're living your life. It doesn't need to be for an audience. The audience, who gives a shit? Um, but it's tough. So I, I actually, I feel for younger people. I have a almost 17 year old daughter, you know, and I, I definitely feel for them. And again, teaching high school and that kind of stuff, you can see what this does to them sort of first hand. And, you know, one of the one of the things about kids like that is they're not going to listen to me no matter how, you know, no matter how much I walk in there and I go, what the fuck is up? Let's go ELA 10. I'm, I'm a band. I've been in bands, baby. I know these people, baby. You know, they're still like, okay, fuck you. And then I go, Hey, meditation's good. And they're like, it must be shitty just because this 40 year old guy is telling me, you know what I'm saying? Um, so you do, you know, with anything you plant, a little bomb in people and you hope at some point when they grow up and, and mature a little bit that it goes off and they go, Oh, actually that guy over there that kept telling me to be in the present and fuck all this other stuff. I get it now. You know um, it's like the long con, uh, but yeah, it's, it's difficult for everybody. It's, it's getting more difficult for these kids um, which is sad because they don't even sort of know it and, they, and they're not going to listen to the people that do know it. But, you know, it's got its own kind of magic and its own kind of beauty, too, for sure. People are able to make a living like we were talking about earlier. You sort of want to make a living off this shit and this shit doesn't exist without pushing it and social media and the digital landscape and all that kind of stuff. And some people are making their living, you know, doing this, you know, different kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, it's different because you're using it in a creative way versus a sort of shallow, you know, vapid way. Um, but that's true of all stuff you know oh absolutely because i was just even thinking about it. i've got a couple of friends who 
they are very prominent in the social media world as well. It's like they are creative there, but they're really building their brand, especially around music around there. And they're doing some things that I like don't have the chance to do yet. And it's absolutely amazing to watch them and just see the hard work they're putting in and giving all that effort and seeing it pay off. And it's just, okay, I see them go to shows. I go to shows with them as well. And they get to do some cool stuff that I don't get to do. Sometimes they're backstage, but of course I'm in the middle of the pit because that's also where I like to be. I like to have fun. And then after the show, it's like, I see the stuff that some of them, like they post some stuff on social media, but they don't post that much. But the, here's the key after the show, if we're talking about the show, we're talking about like, you know, doing that recap and stuff. No one's talking about like the stuff that they recorded. No one's talking about the stuff that they pull out their phones for and watch everyone's always talking about like the crazy stuff that happened throughout the day or like the stuff that happened throughout the show or if you're at a festival, the stuff that happened like in between sets that, you know, didn't get captured, but because you were so in the moment and having fun and just like really driven to go and make sure you saw this one band or something and everything that happened around there. We don't, you know, have those memory. We don't have everything captured on video or captured on pictures, but we talk about stuff and it's like, okay, we are like, even though we are doing what we have to do in order to, you know, make sure that what we're doing in life and where we want to go, we're going to get to that point. But we're also, when we have that chance to just be present and be in the moment, we are taking it. And that's, what's going to make that experience so much grander where like shows this year, it's, I've got friends where again, they were backstage. I was in the pit and we talked about, it. it's like the stuff that they brought up to me is like the cool stuff that they remember from the night was stuff that they phones weren't even out. Like they were just talking, having a good time with some of these bands. Myself and I'm just like, the amount of people I saw in the pit that were giving me high fives, you're like, hey, I know that guy. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to record that, but like, I remember that. It's so much fun. It just, ah, oh, it just like living the moment for that kind of stuff that just really lets you just feel like, you know, you are yourself and you're just like, man, this is like the coolest thing ever. I am in the most present state of mind. I am myself. This is fantastic. Like, that's the kind of thing you need. And it's just, even with today's social media world, even if you're primarily on there, there is a way where you can find that balance of, you know, you need that social currency at certain points. I'm okay. I get like, even myself, the podcast, there's times where I might need to do some more of that too, but living the moment where it becomes more important, it becomes more pertinent. And that's, what's going to make you thrive in life and survive in life even more focusing in on that and making sure you get all of that, especially from whatever you're doing live show, playing music, or just doing anything throughout your day man, is it just, is it worth it to just be able to live in the moment? And like you said too, you know, kids aren't going to be able to like, aren't going to want to listen to, you know, teachers or parents on something like that or anybody else that's older because they think they don't think, hell, when we were 17 years old, I, we probably didn't want to listen to like what our teachers or our parents said because, oh, they're old, they don't know anything. And then all of a sudden, two years later, there's some 22-year-old hippie in college that doesn't wear shoes that says the same thing. It's just like, oh my God, so profound. It's like that little thing that you planted in there and all of a sudden now someone else says it and they get a different perspective on it when they're more open to it. <sighs> now they get that realization and you might've been saying it all along, but it just took a different delivery method at a different time to really hit that person. Oh, yeah, big time. And I think these things, when we live in the moment, these things that we're talking about, you know, become the stories um, that we tell and the stories that we tell ourselves and the the myths that we create for our identity and all that kind of stuff. And it's really hard to build that sort of identity if it's all, if you captured it all. You know, it's if it's super concrete, oh, let me build it from all these video clips and these um, social media posts and all that kind of stuff that doesn't have the same, the same weight as, you know, the stories that we've told and the, the, the 
little changes that happen to our memory, things that we remember and we can tell that, oh, that was actually the moment where I chose this instead of this and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, um, you know, because that's what we're out here doing. We're out here telling ourselves things to comfort ourselves and to feel like we mean something in this complete sort of drop in the bucket fucking universe. You know what I'm saying? Um, we are just these tiny, 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 tiny little fragments of whatever carbon and atoms and all that kind of bullshit. And we just are, we were here for a little bit and then we go back into the sort of nothingness of infinity or whatever. So, um, you know, grappling with that is sometimes tough. You go like, what the fuck is the point? Um, and for me, it was always like, okay, how do we, what kind of stories can I tell um, myself? And then, you know, through the band, tell as many people as I can so that at least you sit there and you go, yeah, this does mean something. We're, we're fucking doing something and we're leaving something, you know? Absolutely. Cause if you're able to just, uh, you know, especially you're that little blip on the radar in terms of time, cause think about it, even you know, the history of the universe is how many years old. And if you compare just how long, you know, humans have been on earth, it's like the tiniest little speck of that is, you know, your humans exist on earth in terms of the, you know, the scope of the universe, but your specific existence is even, even tinier than that. So it's, you know, you might be thinking, you know, what's worse, but also just live in the moment, just, you know, enjoy it because as also look at it too, the last thing you want to do and as you get older in life, and I've, you know, I've done this the exercise before where when my, uh, when my grandpa was in the hospital and being able to just like talk to, you know, other people that were at the VA and just hear what they had to say, just hearing their different stories and the people that really had like the, you know, you could tell just there was some certain pain in their eyes were people that were telling about stuff that they wish they had done. Not stuff that they did, but stuff they wish they had done or stuff they wish that they, you know, were more present for. And it kind of comes back to the point where when I look, when I, if I'm like, you know, 89 years old sitting in a retirement home, I want to be thinking about all the cool stuff I did or all the cool stuff I tried. I don't want to be thinking about the stuff I wish I had done. And it's just being able to take that present moment and just really experience it. And for me, music is the most important thing for experiencing that. So I go to live shows all the time and I just think about, you know, I never think about the next live show when I'm at a live show. I'm always thinking about what's going on right now, how I'm enjoying this. And all of a sudden that song comes on and something just rushes through my body. And all I can focus in on is just having fun in that exact moment. And what's going to happen the next moment? Who cares? I'm in this moment right now. Right. Yeah. And who knows? Who cares? And who knows? Can't. It's going to come regardless of where you're at. Right. Yeah. I think regret is a hell of a drug. You know, this is all the stuff sort of historically, thematically that, you know, I wrote about in Orange Island, a lot of shit about regret, a lot of shit about now and holding on to stuff and moving on and all that kind of stuff, you know, um, because it was stuff I, I struggled with and and had to make my peace with and all that kind of stuff. And I just sort of, you know, as a creative person wanted to lay it out, you know, lay it out on the line. Where are you in the world in the country? I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I clogged a toilet in Milwaukee once good, good place. And that, and it has a good um, music scene. 
Um, right now, it's starting to get up a little, get up there a little bit more. I mean, of course, like the biggest issue that Milwaukee has with the local music scene is every time you know anyone focuses in around the music scene around the area, a lot of people go to Chicago just because it is so much bigger, and to get there is like an hour, hour and a half. So it's not even that hard to get there. But the music scene is growing, especially more the rock and metal side of things. I know that they're trying to bring, like, there's some venues that are trying to come here, but there's some fighting that is going on against them, mostly because the venue that's trying to come in here and build up is a Live Nation venue, and people are just like, because every other venue around here is run independently. Like, that's the coolest thing that Milwaukee has going for it right now with its music scene is, all the, all the venues that you're playing at, every one of them is run independently. There is no big giant corporation that's holding down, you know, the whole music scene around here. And that's one thing we want to keep going because then when bands come through, like they get to go play, like bigger bands, they're going to play at the rave. And there's usually a local open that's going to be in front of them as well. Just, and you get to see some of these different bands or you get to go to some of these, you know, like dive bar areas or these smaller venues that hold maybe 200 people. And it's like those classic like punk rock style vibe bars where all of a sudden it's like, okay, get a bar there. Then you got a stage that's, you know, maybe two feet off the floor and it's right in front of everybody else. And if you want to, you know, people are going to jump on stage and crowd surf and they got signs on the side of the wall that say dance at your own risk. And when I see that, I'm like, okay, now this is going to be fun. It's like, so the, the scene is very tight when it comes to just like the fact that, you know, we are doing this for ourselves kind of thing. And the biggest worry I have is like, especially as other venues are trying to come in here, I don't mind other venues trying to come in here, but it's kind of like, if we're still all running that full independent venue scene here, that's such a unique thing, especially for a larger city. Let's keep it that way. Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. That's great. I hope that's happening other places too, honestly. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Say, I, I hope so too, just because it's, it gives, you know, the American small business owner like more likes to Santa, especially after the pandemic as well, where a lot of these independent venues are closed. Like I want to see a lot of these venues, you know, even though they did close their own comeback, like I want to see more independent venues start popping up once again, just because of how important music is not only to, you know, the people that listen to it, but just to the community as a whole, because people show up to these shows from all over the place. Like when I, when I'm in a show and I'm in the pit, there's people I see, if I'm in Chicago, there's a whole different group of people I see that are there. And it's like, they all know, like, they all know me by face. They don't know my name, but they know my face here in Milwaukee. There's a whole group of people. Every time they see me, it's like, they find it weird. If there's a show, that's going to be a nice big throwdown. And there's the guy in the Milwaukee Brewers hat that is not in the pit. It's like, they're like, it's weird now. Or if I go up to like Green Bay, Wisconsin, and all of a sudden I'm up there, it's some of the same group, a bunch of the different people. But all of a sudden I show up there, it's like, oh, oh my God, it's you. I'm like, oh my God, it's all you guys. What's up? There's this, this whole family vibe there that I just don't want to get like, the more independent venues we have, I think the more that family vibe ends up coming out and the better it just all becomes. And I had a conversation with uh, Phil, I can't remember his last name. It's from the band Chemist. They're like a doom metal band, but it's like if Iron Maiden made doom metal. So it's more, it kind of more of this like melodic story driven kind of feel to mm -hmm. it. And he was talking about venues that he likes to go and play. And he likes to play at some of those like smaller, more independent venues because the people truly care about the music there. They really see it as the art that it is and the passion that gets put into it. So when it comes to the show production, when it comes to them playing on stage, to the fans in this crowd and the people that are at the venue as well working the show, it's everyone has such a passion for it. And that's when those best shows happen instead of just seeing it as a straight up, you know, money-making kind of style thing. Oh, big time. I think the energy 
you know, the energy is completely different. It's a high energy thing. Everybody's humming at a high sort of frequency. Um, and that communal aspect, I think, is, I would imagine, is what drew anybody to sort of play music is that that community, that thing that you're saying where you, you sort of you walk in and you feel like you're around your people. You know, you're like, oh, shit, I can I'm finally around my people. Let me shed this little uh, men in black two fucking suit that I've been wearing. And I, I'll be the alien that I always know myself to be around a bunch of other aliens. And, and it's, and it's fucking gold. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's a perfect analogy for that. I didn't even think of that. Cause that's kind of something similar where I go to shows. Like whenever I go to shows, most of the time I just walk in by myself. I only get one ticket for myself. And of course, before I, you know, knew a lot of these faces and knew a lot of people, even though I still don't know a lot of their names, it's still somewhere like I would go because I just enjoyed having fun at a live show. Now, when I go by myself, I'm like, I can guarantee I'm going to run into 10 people that I have seen before to show that are going to know my face and be excited to see me. And I'm going to be excited to see them. We might not know each other's names. We likely won't, but we know each other's faces and we're always excited to see each other. Cause it's like, okay, I get to see a show with you. I get to be in the pit with you today. This is going to be fucking awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's what it's all about. Honestly. And it just brings that whole entire family vibe to it. And honestly, when it comes to rock and metal, it's like that's one of the strongest things that the whole entire genres have going for them is how much of a family the like the people in the crowd really see each other as. And to the point where, you know, it's kind of the it's like always with the rule, the, the, the first rule of the mosh pit. If someone falls down, you pick their ass right back up. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good ethos to have and to carry carry with you. Uh, one podcast that I listen to, you know, I feel like that's one of the last questions is like, Hey, what, what do you carry with you from those days? It's like a retrospective thing where you talk, talk to people that were around in the late nineties, early two thousands and and have gone on to do other stuff. And it's like, Hey, what, what part of this sort of hardcore or DIY or post hardcore ethos do you take with you? And, and I think that, you know, is certainly the perfect answer this idea that when someone fucking falls down, everybody knows you just pick that person right up. You don't even think about it pick them up you know um i think that's i think that's something we should all carry with ourselves you know as we as we go through so a lot of shit you can learn from the community at at shows and stuff and it can be very um you know i think i put so much religious imagery in the record because it's sort of a religious experience you know it's the only way it's the only thing you can pair it to you know there's worship there's revelation there's um you know, it's like spiritual, it's all that kind of shit, you know, and the only language we have for that kind of stuff is unfortunately maybe wrapped up in, you know, organized religious stuff, or I don't know if it's unfortunate or not, but, you know, when I talk about God, it's, it's three letters to me, you know what I'm saying? It's what the thing that I can't explain is, is God feeling God, you know, and that, that's what it felt like sometimes going to shows, you know, you could say like, I felt fucking God in that dive bar, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the thing. Like I felt God in that dive bar tonight. I felt God in that basement tonight. I had a dream, um, in like probably 2003, 2004, you know, like when we were doing it pretty hard, I had a dream that I was on tour and I was on a beach and I could feel God everywhere. And I could, I, and I, I could trace it back. That was a big thing with me is like finding the steps to be able to feel God and then tell everybody the steps so that they could feel it too. 
So I was on this beach. I was feeling God. There was my band and other bands that tore on there. I knew the steps and I was walking up to them to tell them the steps so that they could feel this ecstatic feeling that I felt as I was approaching everybody. Everybody was looking in the water and I was like, Oh, it was a whole, like what's going on out there. Something was floating up and it was a, it was a piece of shit, like a piece of shit float floated up on the beach and I lost it. The ecstasy went away. The God went away. All the steps went away, you know, and I woke up from that dream I don't know if it's a myth that I've told myself, but I feel like I had that dream in the van while we were driving and I woke up from that dream and I was just like, yeah, man, shit just is always getting in the way. Just trying to get people to feel God in the way that I feel God and shit just always gets in the way. And it's not a religious thing. and It's not a religious God. Um, it's just, again, this like this joy or this purity or this whatever the fuck, you know, the, the, these the squirts going on in your brain or, you know, it can be science, it can be spiritual, it can be whatever it is. Um, so that's something I worry about now is someone going to listen to this record and hear some God shit and think it's a religious thing. Not that I, you know, would care necessarily, but I just don't want anyone to feel alienated. You know, I don't know what they, I don't want them to listen to it and go like, I think they're like a religious band. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the shit that would like consume my mind because that's the, that's the language at my disposal for it, you know? Yeah. You're just speaking th through what you experience and that's how you're relating it to this whole entire thing where people are looking, might look at this and be like, Oh, you know, talking about God and this stuff, it's religious. But what it actually kind of looks into a way is think about all the people that have found so much meaning and so much hope, so much inspiration and so much happiness through religion, through God and it's just that experience that they feel during that time. It's like we may also experience that through, you know, other avenues. We may experience that through music, especially just being present in that moment. And that's when all of a sudden it's like we have that feeling of like, you know, this is really what you have that feeling of like life's worth at that point. Like that's kind of I think where I'm going with that is oh, you, just get the, you just get this absolute feeling of just like this is what I love to do. This is what makes life just absolutely worth it. And it's. It's the state of euphoric bliss in a way because you find it's you find that you find that you know period of true happiness whether it's going to be a little bit more sustained whether it's going to be just a moment before you know shit gets in the way could be either or but you get to experience that and that's the important thing. Yeah, big time. I agree wholeheartedly. Absolutely, I think that's a good way to kind of wrap up this podcast, especially after everything we've gone through and kind of bringing it right back to the album and the meaning right at the tail end of it so that yeah. everyone gets to go and check out the re-release one night stay on september 30th oh yeah hell yeah please do hell yeah and chuck as we bring this podcast to this conclusion one thing i'd like to do is give you a chance to say whatever you want to say plug whatever you want to promote or plug whatever you want to plug promote whatever you want to promote at the end of the podcast so chuck the floor is yours uh obviously one night stay go out and grab it i also wrote a children's book it's called the day we lost pet it came out i don't know four or five years ago if you sort of we're feeling the type of stuff that I am, you know, spitting nonsense about, you might, you might dig it. Um, other than that, there's still a lot of my friends making great music. Um, check out Be Well. Um, there's a lot of shit to get your, everything iodine's doing, check out iodine, live your best dream, live, live your, live your best life. Perfect. Now it's time for me to close the podcast with three very specific things. First things first, the re-release of One Night Stay, again, September 30th. You're going to want to get your hands on that as well. You're going to be ready to listen to it when it gets released as well. On top of that, I mean, you wrote a 
children's book. You're going to want to, you know, maybe check that out if you got kids. Why not? This podcast was absolutely awesome. You're going to want to, you know, show your kids this as well and be like, hey, now we got a children's book for you. Oh, yeah. So one of the best ways to make sure you stay in touch with all this stuff and make sure you can, you know, get your hands on everything is to go to the description of this podcast. It's going to say find Orange Island online and everything you need is going to be there from where you can get the re-release of One Night Say, where you can listen to it, where you can, you know, get the children's book, where you can get everything on there, where you can follow along with iodine records. Everything is going to be there. So go right there. Links, labels, everything. I'm doing all the hard work for you. All you got to do is simple. You just got to hit that link and then go and do the thing. That's it. I'm doing all the research. Trust me on that. Now it's time for number two, Chuck. So normally I'm going to have to curtail this because, or change this up a little bit because, you know, this being released, you guys haven't really, you guys haven't played since 2005, 2006, correct? We haven't played. We did a reunion in maybe 09. So we haven't played since like 09. Since 09. Okay. So I'm going to definitely have to, you know, curate this because whatever guests in the podcast, I enjoy being on the podcast. I tend to make a certain promise as a way to say both thank you. And I would like to continue to support the band. That's usually how this goes. And you have not broken this streak of, you know, making these promises because this was absolutely awesome. So the promise usually is whenever I get to see you perform live for the first time that the first round's on me. Now you haven't played since 2009. So if for some random reason, if there's some way I'm able to run into you at some point, somewhere down the line, trust me, my friend, first round's on me. That would be the best. I And I don't doubt that the world could conspire to make that happen. I've got a feeling it might with all like the crazy stuff that I've been doing when it comes to music. All of a sudden I could be at a show one night and all of a sudden I just end up, you know, at the bar just trying to go get some water or something like that. And all of a sudden you're there and be like, <laughs> well, now two beers, please. There you go. <laughs> one for me, one for that guy. Cause he deserves it. <laughs> Can't wait. Second, second round will be on me for sure. Perfect. And Chuck, as we bring this podcast to inclusion, I cannot say, or say goodbye on this podcast or end by saying goodbye on this podcast. That's way too final. Plus I made a promise to you and I aim to keep that promise. So this can't be goodbye. Hell no. This is going to be, I'll see you later. Tight. Well, folks, this is my interview with Chuck from the band Orange Island. Once again, the re-release of their album called One Night's Day is out on September 30th. Go check it out because whether you are going through your formative years in life, you know, teens, college, all that kind of stuff, you're my age or you're going through your formative years back when the record was originally released and written back in like 2002, 2003. You're wanting to listen to really get into it and just really get into those vibes and into those feels. So go order the album, go pre-order it, go pre-save it, all that kind of stuff. Link is in the description of the podcast for you to get the album, for you to listen to the album, all that kind of stuff. Also, Chuck wrote a children's book. Go check that out. Link to the podcast as well. Anything to deal with iodine and Orange Island description of the podcast be sure you're following along with the corporate Girls podcast online with spotify or no facebook twitter instagram and tiktok for you tiktokers out there yeah i'm doing with those stuff so you message me anything on there you know who's gonna answer it? me so you want to talk to me message me on there me please also subscribe to the podcast on our youtube channel that's so you can watch all these episodes you can subscribe on po- uh, spotify on podcast iHeartRadio, amazon and any other audio site that we might be on, because I know we're on a lot of them, thanks to Podbean, but I just don't know which ones anymore. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, or if you are just now subscribing to the podcast, I want to thank you for subscribing. Thank you for being subscribed. Thank you for being a part of the family. And thank you for helping us out, because this is like my favorite thing in the world. Like I told Chris, this is like a, you know, a passion project that had turned, or like a thing to save my life to basically, to, you know, turn to a passion project, turn the thing I want to do the most in life. We're on... But we're between step two and three. We'll put it that way. So thank you for supporting us. Thank you for helping us out. If you're like, hey, this was cool. I just don't want to subscribe. 
reconsider, please? If not, no big deal. I totally understand. You're always welcome back, though, so thank you for stopping by anyway. Again, I want to thank support for this podcast. First off, Manscaped, 20% off at free shipping the code CPP at manscaped.com. Also, we are sponsoring the When We Were Hungry Music Festival, October 20th and 21st in Las Vegas, Nevada. Tickets on sale now, whenwewerehungryfestival.com. Link trips to the podcast. Thank you, Chuck. It was great to meet you, man. And I know at some point we'll end up at some kind of live show together. I end up just standing next to each other at the bar, and it's like, hey, bud, first round's on me. Oh, yeah. And also, one night stay, September 30th, 2022. Ooh, yeah. So that's going to be for me, guys. Thank you for watching to the Code Progression Podcast. My name is Kevin, and you guys know how I end every single one of the big, healthy, and hearty. See